0: Michael Show. continuing on hopefully uh, you're enjoying your St. Patrick's Day I don't know if that's Scottish or Irish but that's about the best I got (laughs) so hopefully you're enjoying your St. Patrick's Day and uh, your March Madness Day and Brewers preseason baseball day and whatever other day you want to make it out to be but uh, hopefully you're enjoying it. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy coming up here in about twenty minutes. Going to talk a little more Brewers baseball, and we'll talk some about uh, Christian Yelich as Grand Bills out at spring training. We'll talk with him uh, about what his comments were. Um, Christian Yellich is huge, effing huge. I want to find out what that means? So we'll talk with him about that coming up uh, in just a little bit. Stay tuned for that. We'll also uh, I want to get his lowdown if he's watched batting practice because I want to see. What uh, what he sees out of Christian Yelich when it comes to hitting bombs and batting practice on the consistent as, as he did go back a few years when he was bombing the ball out of the ballpark on a consistent basis, you know,
1: or his pretty balls. There you go. There you go. Eight
0: seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um, by the way, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Tom Izzo had a meltdown on the sideline, yelling at his team, and then broke, like, busted the whiteboard that he draws plays on, just snapped it, just ripped that thing in half. Just upset. Tom Izzo. Not that I'm really fretting for Michigan State. Are you watching the uh, tournament, Ben?
2: I have it on peripherally. Yeah. Okay. The Gauchos battling with Baylor. Yeah, I see that. I just like the, the Gauchos. And and your Xavier Musketeers are in deep, deep trouble. God, I'm punching you right in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> I just am. It is Xavier.
0: You shouldn't have said uh, it. What are, what are they? Uh, what, I didn't even see what that score is right now. As a matter of fact, they're down, what, 50, uh, 51-38 to Kennesaw. Now, this would be the biggest upset in
2: the tournament so far, right? No, no, uh, Princeton. Princeton. Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. That's right. Arizona.
2: Actually, Ross Tucker. I'm going to go find the video. Ross Tucker had a great reaction. A diehard Princeton fan. Oh, yeah, he's all Princeton all the time. Ross Tucker, very intelligent dude from there. He's jumping around with his daughters, and he's yelling, yeah, we're getting ice cream, and I get beer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, remember, he said that if he went into the darkness retreat, uh, we said, what would you look forward to? And he said, sleep. He'd, he'd drink a few beers in the dark and go back to sleep. I have it. So there you go. Do you have it? Go yeah. ahead. Play it. Ross Tucker, when he ah!
3: found out a- <laughs>
4: yeah! Ice cream! We got ice cream! I get beer! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Podcast. We had him on the program uh, during Super Bowl. <laughs> being the Princeton fan that he is. And uh, Princeton got the win yesterday and knocked off Arizona. Princeton, the uh, the 15 seed beating the two seed. So it, you're right. It would not be the biggest upset of the tournament so far. But right now, Kennesaw State with 1535 to go in the second half. And they're up 5138 over Xavier. The Xavier Musketeers. And the Kennesaw State woo, Owls going at it. There you go. Uh, some good stuff. Uh, Michigan State up 66-57 right now over USC in that contest. Uh, you also have uh, right now early on Baylor 29-26 over UC Santa Barbara and the Gauchos And VCU and St. Mary's just getting underway. VCU-St. Mary's a 12-5 matchup. Circle it. Pay attention to it. The game after that. Coming up in about 40 minutes, Marquette, number two, the
2: Golden Eagles taking on Vermont. Go ahead, Ben. I was going to ask if people knew that a catamount, which is their their mascot. Is, what is, a, is What is a catamount? It's any form of wild cat, including a cougar, a lynx. You can go a lot of directions with it. Okay. A cougar. Maybe a leopard. Pretty much had people ears perking up at the word cougar. That's what I mean. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> okay, a catamount. The Vermont Catamounts. Marquette Golden Eagles. There you go. Excited about that. I, I do I do I would like to see Marquette go well, I mean personally anyway. I got Marquette going all the way down to the uh the Elite Eight before Purdue knocks him off. How far do you have uh Marquette going, Ben? I have them losing today. Today to the catamounts. Okay. Oh gosh. I wasn't just going to say it. No, I meant is that is, is that wishful thinking or is that you firmly believe the catamounts
2: are that good and they have the capability to knock off Marquette? Well, I do think they have the capability. It's all wishful thinking. I mean, none of us know anything about this tournament, right? Like I watch a lot of college basketball. I could tell you a lot about a lot of teams when it comes Mm -hmm. down to them playing. It's like how much of that really matters. Teams just right. win, and then teams lose. Teams yep. get hot, and then other teams stink. So, it's wishful thinking. I know the uh, the world
0: is rooting against Alabama. That I know. Um, just from the reaction yesterday, as Alabama, um, you know, got their toe into the tournament. Alabama with a 96-75 win over Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. And uh, Corpus Christi was, you know, kind of hanging in there for about
2: the first 38 seconds, and then after that, (laughs) Alabama pretty much pulled away. You know if Alabama wins at all, how lost the context of their win is going to be on people? Like a lot of people, I mean. Yeah. Right, because people that follow sports and read the news, I guess, knows what's happening. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, I'm sure that fill out brackets, have no clue in the world. And then when Brandon Miller goes for like 30, it's going to be weird. I wonder how CBS is going to cover it um on the broadcast i mean yeah you can't
0: ignore it no way you know but how many times will it have it it have been stated uh for those that don't know brandon miller was involved in a murder um he was the guy that delivered the gun to the guy that shot the girl and killed her and uh then claimed oh i didn't know anything about it but clearly through text messages, he knew. He knew what was going on. He told him, here's the gun. He told him it was loaded, something about heat in the chamber or something. It was all fired up, ready to go, and all he had to do was go pull the trigger and kill this girl. And yet, uh, because he's their top player and one of the top players, if not the top player in the country, they made all kinds of excuses for him to play. So, um,
2: well, And there was that
0: it's... pregame thing, like a week yeah. later. Yeah. I saw you retweet. Yeah, where he it. did the he did the pat down. Yeah, disgusting. Where he came out and acted like, oh, guy, the police are patting me down, which apparently it was something that had been done before, but the timing of that to do it again, under the circumstances and the suspicion that he was already under because of the gun situation, was completely classless, and he should have been suspended for that, and they didn't do anything, because it they value winning over character and ethics. And that's the reason the world is rooting for the sports world itself, is pretty much rooting against Alabama. This is not some kind of a, oh, my God, this kid's coming out of the darkness for a reclamation type of project and a redemption project. This is a guy that was allowed to keep playing. There was no disciplinary action for a guy that brought a gun to a murder. I mean, you know, it's, it, it was mind-boggling, the, the, the list of excuses Alabama made, which was, Clearly, just veiled crap, and it was garbage. So that's where that's where you start to look at it and go, okay, you know, you guys clearly can do anything down there in Tuscaloosa, including murder, and nobody's nobody's going to touch you. Nobody's going to touch you. Uh, 877-867-1670, uh, 877-867-1670 If you want to give us a shout, do it. Um, this is from Kathy. Kathy says. Uh, Didn't Rodgers say that going into the retreat, he was 90% sure he was going to retire? And if you take that on its face, then what would have made him go from 100% almost out of this thing to 100% coming back and not only wanting to come back and play football, but play for the Jets and kick the Packers ass? Well, okay, let me me first of all say he never said anything about kicking the Packers ass. But I, I don't know. He never he never expounded upon that. He just said he went into the darkness ninety percent thinking he was going to retire. When he came out, he said he turned. He never said when I came out of it, I had realized that I really loved football and I wanted to play. He never got into any of that. He said when he came out, he turned his phone on, and some guys were telling him the Packers are shopping you, and then he put it on the Packers. Clearly, something changed when I was in the darkness. He never said he changed. He never said he wanted to come back. It, he made it sound like I was going to retire, and then they started shopping me, so now I'm pissed off and I want to come back and play. That's the way it kind of came across. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's the way it came across. So just just so we're clear. Um, This one is from Pat. Pat says... Uh, Hey, guys, great programming over the last seven days. Uh, He said, from last weekend to this weekend, it's always been good, always been informative, and it's always kept kept us up to date as to the trials and tribulations of one Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now, at what point do you feel that this deal finally gets done? We know the Jets have to get a quarterback. We know the Packers have to get rid of Rodgers. At what point do both sides sit down and say, this is what we have to work out? Do you think they're on the phone constantly, or do you think this is where they're just touching base with one another? periodically um great question thank you very much for the for the compliments by the way that's a great question because i believe that um as a general manager you're still going about your business i'm sure that there's calls and or text messages i'm sure there's agents Going back and forth, um, I do find it interesting that, you know, the big news coming out of New York Jets camp today was Alan Lazard speaking, saying that he felt that, uh, they oh, I couldn't believe they didn't want me. Well, you know, I'm sorry that you feel unwanted, but I'll say it before, I'll say it again. He's not that good. He's not a player that you can't live without. He's just a decent receiver. Uh, you know, I don't know how else to put it. He doesn't do anything dynamic. He's not a speedster. He's not a big leaper. He's not got these tremendous one-handed catches. He's a, a, a solid route runner and dependable and you know, maybe a little above average. But for the amount of money you got, and for what the Packers are wanting to do and the money they have to spend? No. Not at all. Not at all. I I, I don't find it shocking or what have you that they didn't show interest. I, I just don't. And, and here's the other thing. He, he could have been tainted by Rodgers. He's got the stink of Rodgers all over him, which is probably a big negative now there as well. And I'm sure they're probably wondering, you know, hey, we know David Bakhtiari's all in, and he's a good tutor and good guy. And But you wonder what it's going to be like for David Bakhtiari to be in that locker room and not have his guy there. Um 867 1670 yeah, if you want to chime in, feel free. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk a little baseball. Uh, Grant Bills, down at spring training, we're going to talk with him. Uh, and I want to get to, because he had, he had said that uh, Christian Yelich is effing huge. And I want to get clarification on that. I want to know if, if Christian Yelich is like bombing a baseball, or he's just bulked up, or both, or neither, or what. So we want to find out. We're going to talk with him when we come back. Hey, uh, big doings going on. Not only is it uh, Green Beer Day. But uh, one of the best fish fries around, Stoley's Hog Alley out in Oconomowoc. Stop in, they have that salted rye bread that is so good and so many people seek out. They have it, they use it in their fish fry, and it's, it's been so famous for them for such a long time. Stoley's Hog Alley, Stoles All 109 up in Watertown as well. Both tremendous places, but uh, really, really good stuff. From our friends at Stolis Hog Alley. So stop out there and tell them we said hi. More on the Bill Michael Show. Little Brewers chatter when we come back. Going to change things up a little bit. Little Brewers chatter when we come back. More on the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin
4: sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. <laughs>
0: On this Friday, Bill Michaels show, St. Patrick's Day, enjoying the day, going a little green and uh, enjoying our time. Time to head out uh, to uh, Maryvale and American Family Fields of Phoenix, which uh, standing by is uh, our guy Grant Bills on the ground out there. Grant, how are you doing today, man? What's up?
4: Bill, I'm doing great. It's sunny and we're at the ballpark all morning. So I like—I don't mean to brag. I, I'm a little selfish. I, I've been having a great time this week and experienced some cool things, talked to a lot of cool people. So I'm doing very well.
0: So I am told that we need to refer to you as Big J. Uh,
4: I don't know Heard about all that. My <laughs> week, I was, I was pretending. Literally, that's all I was trying to do. I was like, I just want to blend in with the people who are already here. I don't want to ask a dumb question. I don't want to do something I'm not supposed to do. So I was was just trying to to meld into the background this week. And I think I succeeded. I didn't get yelled at. I didn't get a bad reaction. I didn't talk to anyone I wasn't supposed to talk to. So I'd say it was a success. I don't know if I'm a big J. Uh, I will call myself (laughs) that on my own show. But in all seriousness, no, I, I don't think I'm there yet
0: uh so the explain the uh the the text to uh to, the text to ben that says christian yelich is effing huge
4: yeah he looks skinny and like he looks tall don't get me wrong but when you watch him on tv every day you're like okay skinny long and then you stand next to him you're like oh he's built like a cyborg he's awesome and he's one of the skinnier like he's one of the smaller looking players so I think it, w- it was cool to be in the clubhouse and to be, we we're on the field today during batting practice and, and to be next to some of these guys and really put it into perspective. Cause you know, NBA players are tall. You know, a linebacker is big, but you don't really gain an appreciation for the frame and the reach and, and how Yellish is so stout. And then some other guys like Joey Weaver, one of their top prospects right now who played center yesterday is, is just a massive human being. Uh, so to gain an appreciation for that and to better understand kind of the physics of baseball and how everything works up close and personal, it was, it was, it was really educational for me, but also just kind of in a dumb way, like I feel a little stupid. Like I watch a hundred you know, plus Brewer games a year and I think Christian Yelich is skinny. And then I stand next to him and I, I feel just puny. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not a short guy, Bill. It's not like no, I'm 5'7". But yeah, I really gained an appreciation this week, especially around Yelich.
0: So here's the thing and this is what I wanted to specifically ask you go back a few years Christian Yelich when I would yeah. come to spring training I would watch him and it, it, even in, in batting practice here at American Family Field then Miller Park the guy was he was a hitting machine he just put on a show and it was bomb after bomb yeah. after bomb after bomb so when the year that they were shutting everything down and we were getting into the covid uh it was not that way last year it was not that way Obviously, the power numbers were down over the last few years. So you tell me, watching him in batting practice, is it bomb after bomb after bomb after bomb? Does the power back, or is it eh, a home run every now and then, but for the most part it's just, you know, line drives, some fly balls, and that's about the extent of it?
4: Well, I think, first of all, batting practice, like you're watching guys send them every which way. Like everyone's hitting a, a ton in batting practice. The interesting thing about Yellich is that if you talk to people who are there every day, so I was trying to pick the brain of, you know, different Brewers beat reporters and the power has never left. It's not like Yelich doesn't have the power anymore. It's that he can't lift the baseball. Like Yelich is still hitting the ball really hard. It's just mm-hmm. he's not elevating it. So I think the, the problem for Yelich is it, it's not a lack of confidence. It's not a lack of power and ability to drive the ball. It's the actual physics of getting his swing to work like it used to. Uh And there's some sort of hang up. And, and I also gained an appreciation this week for, for Christian Yelich, the player and the personality in the clubhouse and, you know, everyone I talk to, it's like, this means so much to Yelich. So to fans and to people who might speculate that he got paid and he got lazy, like, that's not it. Like, this guy cares so much and it matters to him. And, and he will be clear with his frustration. But the power is still there. It's about getting his swing to align the way that it used to so that power can can show up again. And it's not instead of driving the ball into the grass, it's actually lifting the ball. And every once in a while, Bill, when you see him really get into one, you see it. It's like, oh, there it is. He's just not finding it nearly as often as he used to. So the mechanics power is still there. It's just about the swing.
0: Yeah, that was my question because uh, if if that launch angle isn't there on the consistent, because that's what he was. I mean, he had that launch angle down, man. And and even though it was batting practice, that's when you could look at him and you could say, wow, this guy's just got this power and he's got this ability and he, you know, he's firing shots off like crazy. And then over the last couple of years, you haven't seen that on the consistent. And that's been part of the issue is that he, he'll hit the ball hard. He'll give you some doubles and such. But he's not going to go back to the 40 home run season that he had years ago that everybody kind of anticipates and what they're kind of paying him for. You know, that's, what the, that's where he made his bones. Yeah. So when I look at it, I always ask, is he bombing the baseball? Because if not bombing the baseball, then – because also Ben and I – now you can get in on this if you want, but we got a, a bet 18.5 uh, is the home run total. I'm taking the under. I took the under last year, and I won. I took the under last year, and I ended up winning that bet. This year, I'm taking the under 18-and-a-half home runs. So if you're going to be a betting man, are you going the over or the under?
4: Oh, I mean, the thing is, is he'll have, like, a great 48 hours. Like, he'll have a home run or a game where he hits two home runs. So even with his his limited total the last couple of years, and, I don't know, 18, maybe it's just because I'm down here. I feel like I'd want to bet the over and and cheer for it, but – he doesn't elevate the ball a lot. The weird thing, Bill, is when he does it, he does it like twice in a game. Like last summer, it would be he had that grand slam, and when he hit a home run, it was the biggest deal in the world. Or he hit two in one game. It's it's weird how it showed up. I would bet the over, but that's probably me being hopeful. Like if he could get to 20 home runs, that would be such a, a boost. It's obviously not what he was, and like he's right. not what they're paying him for. But I think I'd bet the over and just be hopeful. It's all still there. He just he just has to tap into it.
0: Right. That's the, that's the question, because, you know, now, again, if he's going to be batting leadoff, then that maybe changes things as well, where he's not, you know, trying to grip no. it and rip it. He's just trying to get on base. Uh, but it's still, I, I, I go back to the, you know, the money he's making and the way he made it. He made it off of the bomb. He made it off of being one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball, where it didn't matter mm-hmm. where you put it, that if he got a hold of it, he was taken out of the ballpark. And if all he's doing is, you know, knocking a bunch of base knocks, that's great if he's just trying to get on base. But, it's not the same yeah. thing as what he's actually being paid for, and the runs that they need batted in on this team. You know what I mean?
4: Oh yeah, well they, they need they need production from someone that's not a year of uh, Hunter Renfro, right? Or a year like they right. they found production like Avi Garcia they tapped into for a summer or two. What the Brewers need is is well. They need Yelich to be the guy that they they kind of planned on him being because he's the one guy you can situate in the middle and you can rotate other pieces around him and you can flip contracts and reset the the market on certain players and and get guys with team control. But they always had that piece Yelich to build around. Now without that, it's it's a little bit more hodgepodge. So no, you're one hundred percent correct. Even if they find offense with other pieces, more interchangeable pieces, it just thinks that they don't have that. That 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 guy in the middle of the lineup that they paid and it's the brewer's guy and he's been there and yeah, they're definitely lacking that. I hope they get get it back in at least in some form or fashion this summer. It's probably not going to be the two to 40 home runs, but you've got the over under eighteen and a half. Like if he could just get to twenty, that would be such a nice improvement.
0: So let me let me back up here for a minute because I want to talk about the rest of the team real quick. What else have you seen that has been we'll say we'll start out with impressive so far?
4: Well, One thing that was really cool this week is the World Baseball Classic was going on. And
1: ever
0: since
4: Edwin Diaz's injury, there's been a lot of discourse about the World Baseball Classic. I have really gained an appreciation for the event because it's on in the clubhouse, even just the replays. And watching these players live and die on foul balls and and line drive, like they're so dialed in and it means the world to them. So I, I really started to appreciate the World Baseball Classic. And then today, Willie Adonis is back. Uh, and we we're able to get down onto the field and talk to him for just a couple minutes and ask about his experience. And he put it up there with playing in the World Series, right? Our, Kurt Hogan, the Journal Sentinel, basically asked him, like, where do you rank this in your all-time baseball experiences? And he's like, there's the World Series and there's the Baseball Classic. And and they were very much right. on a similar playing field. And that and that speaks to how much it means to some of these other, these other countries where a lot of these players come from. So that was really cool. Uh, it was cool to talk to him. It was cool to hear from Brandon Woodruff. Uh, and talk with counsel about their plan for starting pitching and and what Corbin Burns means to this team. So I'd say I just I very much enjoyed getting a closer look at some of the things that we we talk about a lot. But the World Baseball Classic was definitely unique to this week and, and definitely very enjoyable to be a part of and to follow with those guys who it means so much to.
0: We are only a couple of weeks away from opening day. So how is this lineup in your eyes shaken out?
3: Ooh,
4: well we can we can fill in. I think probably the opening day starter, Corman Burns, is probably a pretty obvious one. We were asking today about the outfield situation because Garrett Mitchell's coming back from an injury. He finished the year last year at center field, maybe what that looks like. We asked counsel today about the possibility of Weimer playing multiple outfield spots. If he's up in the majors at some point, we'll see. He's someone I've seen a lot of in the clubhouse and and in camp. Uh, And obviously, Yellich is a piece of that, too. So the outfield, injury-dependent as of right now because some guys are coming back. The infield, I mean, just trying to get an answer out of Council on uh, Brian Anderson and where he might play. It's like pulling teeth because Craig Council doesn't like to anoint roles, and he doesn't like, you know, that's why they like interchangeable guys. They like moving guys around. But I'd say today it was interesting to hear about the outfield, and I, I think they're exploring so many possibilities, which is exciting. It was also cool to hear Council talk about today um, that opening day means a lot, and for all that Craig Council poo lineups, right, and the lineup's going to change throughout the year, and... And he, he's very much you know, been about that in his time as the Brewers manager. He also admitted and, and talked pretty openly, and it was cool to hear him say, like, opening day means a ton. It means a lot to my guys, so it's going to mean a lot to me. So I'm not going to poo-poo the opening day roster as something that doesn't matter, it'll change. Opening day matters a lot, and, and they're still sifting through some injuries and some roles, but uh, I'd say we can... We can chuck in the the guys who we expect. Write that in in pen, and then maybe some of the outfield spots, injury dependent, and maybe some of the infield spots. Brassel Anderson, kind of who's performing at the time, we'll have to wait and
0: see. Uh, give me real quick your thoughts on so bullpen, because to me, you know, you know, kind of what your position players are. You're hoping for the best offensively. You know your starting yeah. rotation is pretty solid, but the bullpen's probably going to be one of the bigger question marks. I know that it's Devin Williams' job to lose as the closer. Beyond that, give me your thoughts on the bullpen.
4: Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of different guys. I think when you start thinking about the bullpen, Bill, you have to think about the bottom of the starting rotation, right? Who is not going to make the cut? Because they have seven bodies for ostensibly five spots. You have Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Lauer, Wade. Miley is back. Adrian Hauser is in the mix. Like you, you have a lot of potential options. Aaron Ashby, who just threw for the first time this week, just playing catch coming back off of his injury. So he hasn't even, he doesn't have bullpen. He hasn't thrown any sessions yet, just literally playing catch. So whoever doesn't end up in the starting rotation, feeling like maybe that's going to be Hauser. Maybe he's suited more for a reliever role this week. He's going to end up in there. uh, And potentially Aaron Ashby, depending on when he's ready and and how the rest of the rotation looks. Devin Williams is obviously the back end. Filling in the middle could be interesting. We saw Hobie Milner throw the other day. Uh, He's someone who's been pretty open and, and talked about his role with us in the clubhouse. But Craig Council said today, you know, for all, for all the discussions we have about starting rotation and Corbin Burns and Woodruff and those top-line guys, he said multiple times today to us, in order to win games and for this team to be successful, the bullpen is going to have to get guys out, right? As much as you want length from Burns, and he said multiple times, Burns needs to get in it, He needs to get outs for, out for us and then with Woodruff. But the bullpen is going to have to do damage and, and be a unit that gets guys out. So it's going to be a process. I think you start with Williams. And you start with the guys who aren't going to quite make the cut in the starting rotation, and then you can fill in the rest. By the way, watching Williams in the World Baseball Classic, he was—he had an mm-hmm. amazing inning the other night. I mean, it, was, it could have been a, an immaculate inning if just a couple things go differently. Like, he looked incredible. So the excitement around Williams is a lot. And then I, I start to pencil in the guys who aren't in the starting rotation. That's how I'm looking at the bullpen so far.
0: Grant, good stuff, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh keep doing the Big J stuff. That's okay. You you we'll label you the Big J. You can do that. We're we're good with that. Right. And uh, you you if enjoy the, the rest of the sunshine. Yeah, I
4: appreciate it. If I get the title from you guys, that it counts. I don't care about anything else. Thanks for having me
0: on. <laughs> All right, buddy. Talk to you later. There you go. That's Grant Bills joining us for a couple of minutes Kiss on my the hat. hotline. Big J. Big J, Big J. Big J journalist. There you go. Uh that's Grant Bills. We have to be careful in, uh, with him, Bill. Why's that? We can't build him up too much, you know. No, he he's he's not a, he's not sensitive like Rogers. He he won't put himself on the pedestal. <laughs> he won't do that.
2: Next thing you know, Grant's going to Pat McAfee. How no, he, he's actually no. blocked on Twitter by Pat McAfee. Is he really? And we okay. don't entirely know why.
0: Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. I think there's some kind of a stalker story there. That's just my opinion, but okay. <laughs> so. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step out, break, come back. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this
4: is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: Welcome back. Uh, I got a nice note from Kathy and her husband, Steve who uh, said they went to Buzzard Billy's last night and they had kind of the uh, pre-fish fry Friday and uh, said they had a great time, but uh, more so they were impressed with upstairs. They'd never been to the Starlight Lounge before and uh, said what a great time. Uh, they, had, they were in town to visit their daughter who's going to uw Lacrosse and said thanks for the uh, heads up. Great place. Said hi to Heather on uh, our behalf, which is awesome. Heather is the general manager out there and wanted you to know two thumbs up Two thumbs up for uh, Buzzard Billies out in La Crosse. Also, big-time sponsor of our motorcycle ride as well. So great people, Buzzard Billies. Joining us now on the hotline, our guy Mike Clemens is here. Michael, how you doing, pal?
1: Good. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. I'm emerged from the basement where I've been kind of going over <laughs> the files from last year. And this is where I watched the tape and stuff. So I've been off the ticker. I don't know if there's been anything new. Uh, I know you've got those three or four boards right in front of you all the time. What's going on? Tunyon signed
0: with the uh, the Bears. That's about the extent
1: of it. Well, yeah. That, so that's one thing I wanted to bring up. I, You know, uh, Robert Tunyon is one of those guys. And Aaron Rodgers said, this is one of my guys we got to have back. And it's not like he's, you know, 39 or 40 years old. Uh, the guy should be in the prime of his career. But, you know, Rodgers said, you know, I want Randall Cobb. I want Mercedes Lewis. I want Mason Crosby. I want Robert Tunyon. He was This is one of six guys. That he was saying, you know, toward the end of the year, I I hope these guys are all back next year. But um, there was this period around November or December. There was two guys that were kind of on the hot seat. One of them got benched, and that's Darnell Savage at safety. And then Matt Lafleur started making these little, taking these little digs at Bobby Tunyon. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was looking around like, what? Am I missing something here? Because to me, I saw the guy running routes. I saw the guy occasionally get open and Rodgers ignoring him and just going to other targets or them just not going to him. And I couldn't tell if he, was, if he was missing blocks or whatever. You know, at the end of the season, there were some things that, you know, a couple of people told me that in terms of stats, and I think Pro Football Focus made a mention of this, that his numbers were down in yards after the catch. Um, his numbers were down from his productivity. Uh, in the end zone, of course, you know, a couple of years ago, he had 11 touchdowns and four or five hundred yards catching, and he still had like 52 catches last year, 586, uh, something like that, uh, 470, 470. Uh, but you know, it, it, he got he's got this great 2020. Then uh, he has the, the torn ACL in the game against the Cardinals, and then we see him at you know at practice all last year during OTAs and summer. Trying to get back from that to ACL, and I thought it was pretty amazing that he got on the field um, considering the injury he had. But at, com- at at the end of the season, Matt Lafleur, you know, he had that touchdown catch against the Vikings toward the end of the year. Here's what Lafleur said about Robert Tunyon in those last couple of games in the regular season. Yeah, I think he's he's another guy that's stacked two really good games back to back, and it wasn't just it wasn't just. Um, you know, obviously, caught a, a, a off schedule touchdown um, on, on the on the on the broken play from Aaron or whatever. And but I thought in the run game as well, you, he was more physical and um, just he's got to keep stacking them.
0: Well, at least he had a back to back game. Maybe he was starting to feel better after that. Uh, you know, coming back from that knee surgery that he had the the off season prior.
1: I guess, I guess, and then. We're talking to Goodkins at the combine and of course we spent an hour with him uh, recorders off uh, in the conference room there at the team hotel. then he did a national press conference and one of the one of the reporters national reporters asked Brian Goodkins about, hey what do you think about this uh, you know this class of tight ends and defensive backs and here's what goody said.
2: We, we only have a couple, you know, a few tight ends coming back from last year. So there's some some holes there. I think that those guys either got to step into those roles and fill them, or we're going to have to kind of look, you know, other places. Um, you know, our secondary is a little bit unsettled. We have, you know, a couple of safeties that were moving on that, uh, that were here last year. What? What? Hello? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well kind, of, well, kind of, he let that cat out of the bag, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Now, there started this thing toward the end of the season about Adrian Amos, Like, maybe they were going to bring him back, and that might be a money thing because, you know, they're strapped salary cap-wise, although I thought he had a good season. But you start talking about tight end. Okay, Mercedes Lewis, 38, 39 years old. Uh, You understand that. But then when the GM says, we've only got a couple, well, then you think, well, he's talking about Josiah Degora, who played for Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, and, and then Tyler Davis, who Goody has called, you know, oh, yeah, TD, I mean, he loves that guy. I don't know why, although I know he played out of five or six special teams, you know, so he's been improving. And like Tunyon, he's like a former quarterback in college that's turned tight end. Um, and one guy that loved him is Mercedes Lewis, who kind of mentored him. This was Mercedes uh, in the last year that Devontae Adams was out there, and the, the progress he kept on seeing from Robert Tunyon.
3: He's a natural. I remember the first time I saw him running routes out there and just plucking the ball out of the air, like in traffic, not worried about nothing. Uh, he's uh he's supernatural when it comes to catching the ball and um, he's starting to put it all together. And, you know, he has good coaches, 17 to 12 over there, getting them right in the pass game. I'm getting him right in the run game. So, you know, by the time I all said and done, he's going to be a complete tight end. So it's been great to see.
0: Well, the knee injury certainly, you know, hand hindered that a little bit, but. I was kind of surprised that they just let Tunyon walk away.
1: I know. I know. And, um, you know, they they go through these tight ends, too. For a minute, you thought you had a flash member, Dominique Daphne, number 49. Yeah. The, the guy had been the bouncer in Des Moines, and he came on. He almost looked like uh, A.J. Dillon out there, like as a tight end, uh, playing on special teams, caught a, a touchdown from Aaron Rodgers. When, once he got the ball, you wanted to see what he could do with it. But he just kind of flashed about, you know, two years ago, I, last I looked he was now uh, on the roster of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but yeah, Robert Tunyon uh, signing with the Bears yesterday, the, the money's not out on it yet from what I can tell but I, when we did our post game show from Chicago at the end of the season um, and they had that great comeback win I was in the locker room with Tunyon after the game, Now there was this one play where he was like a little bit over the middle in the south end zone and I thought Rogers you know, kind of missed him but I, it looked like a, a sure touchdown, and I asked Tanya about it after the game in Chicago.
3: Um, you, uh, for uh, debate when we see the film, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah. But um, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, again, like it's football. There's contact and there's bang bang plays. So not blaming or pointing the finger, but you know, I just as a competitor you want that you want that play you want that touchdown so uh yeah we'll just i'll look at it and see what i could have done better so bears offense is putting up some points but then christian gets that big pi on the left hand side yeah. that kind of seemed like it really flipped the momentum yeah there. i mean yeah we uh you know again with football like you know there's you get calls you don't get calls and thank god that that you know one went in our favor and it kind of just kind of helped our drive you know stay alive and keep going Get Bears Packers game is very special, yeah. Oh, yeah, I grew up watching them as a Bears fan, yeah, and then you know, and then now, but uh, yeah, you're de- there's definitely a different focus and a sense of urgency, no yeah, doubt. Yeah. When you see when you see the blue and orange, tell me about your bye week. I mean, how you feel t- right now yeah. heading into your bye, yeah, good. Um, just gonna go, just you know, stay in shape, stay healthy, uh, just work on some things, uh, with you know physical therapy and stuff like that to keep my, you know, my body going and my, you know, knee going. So, yeah, I'm just excited to kind of just keep on working. And then we got, uh, what, four more games, five more games. And we went out and see where life takes us. Robert Tanya, thank you. Yeah, Absolutely, thank you.
0: Interesting that uh, he did happen to drop there, Mike. That Oh, by the way, I grew up watching the Bears. I was a Bears fan. Hey, so he's now he's going the to the Bears. Fan.
1: Maybe it's that interview yeah. is why, why Goodkin's changed his mind on him. but
2: Maybe yeah, that's so- what it was. Yeah, Maybe so he was I mean, a spy the whole time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Since the Bears have the, had the number one pick overall, how'd that work out? But, um, yeah, I just uh, I, I thought that that was a guy who you'd think, like, in his second year would come back. But and we still don't know what the money is. But he's going he to it. a team that's got Cole Komet. Uh, so they, they stacked that up. Uh, there, it, it is a good draft class at tight end. That's what Gudikins must be relying on. I don't know if he thinks that there's another tight end out there that he could pick up. But, you know, they it would help Jordan Love to have a solid tight end besides Josiah DeGora out there uh, to fill that role as, as he takes over at quarterback. Jeron Reed, you know, a defensive tackle, he's going back to Seattle for a $10 million deal for two years. Uh, so he was just one year in Green Bay, but I thought he did a, a good job. Uh, Chris Barnes, uh, Jordan Love's roommate, his best buddy, the linebacker, he's leaving since they've got Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker back there and Isaiah McDuffie. Uh, so he's he's going to be dropped by, by the team. He's going to be out shopping around. But that's where it stands right now with uh, the Packers' rosters. They head under free agency, Bill.
0: Are you surprised, Mike, or, or do you think they're just waiting to kind of what, see where the dust settles and all of this and then see what happens with uh, Rodgers' contract?
1: Yeah, I mean – you know Tanyan, as I, as I say uh, there was kind of rumor like he may not be coming back and I didn't understand why uh, I'm sure that that's as as Gudikins would say you got to take care of this situation before the other dominoes can fall and and so they need to know what that situation is and uh, I'm sure that that plays as a big factor in a lot of their decisions about what what money they may have to go out and get other players or how they're going to you know set up this team through the draft and, and later for agency. Let's not forget, though, this is stupid money week, right? There's, there's some right. guys that got some money in the last 48 hours that's like, come on, you know, come on. And the Packers always sit that stuff out.
0: Well, I mean, you just look at Alan Lazard's contract.
1: It, they're, they're, exhibit A, Your Honor, Exhibit A. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Mike, good stuff, buddy. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the green beer. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Bill. All right, buddy. There you go. That's our go- uh, That's our own Mike Clements joining us for a couple of minutes. Good stuff. Um, when we come back, we'll wrap it up. Next on the Bill Michael Show, covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael
4: Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
0: to have you back a couple of minutes before uh, we get out of here on this St. Patrick's Day. By the way, Marquette and Vermont tied at five apiece early on in that contest obviously. Uh, And it is uh, time, if
2: anything, if we missed anything, what did we miss today, Ben Kenny? So, only about a couple minutes and I wanted to make sure the important stories rose to the top here. Number one, Adam Shank leads the Valtzpar Open. Okay in in very notable news live golf also added this weird putt tracer to the tv broadcast and it was hilarious cuz they debuted it and then posted the clip on twitter to promote it but the yeah. dude missed the putt well there you go that so it didn't works. even work yeah <laughs> their the graphic was wrong right so that's happening uh and then uh, apparently tiktok has been spying on journalists so we got to make really? sure grant bills is careful over there
0: yeah there's a there's a shock Anything
2: in particular they're spying on? Now, TikTok, remember, is generated in what, what, China? Yeah. No, I didn't read the story. I just saw
0: the headline. Okay.
2: Okay. Admittedly, Uh, I'm not here to do some big news analysis, just merely bring the stories to the people.
0: No, ever since I was, uh, you know, I've I've had a couple of TikToks that have been banned for raciness ever since then. I've I've had issues. I wonder why. I I understand it. Yeah, I understand it. You know, so I'm going to, you know, maybe see if I can't make peace with them. Maybe I'll... I'll go to a Chinese restaurant or something and do a review on the food on TikTok and get back in the good graces of TikTok, something like that.
2: Okay. All right. I do think so the other, I, I mean, the other thing is we mentioned it quick, but Alan Lazard, when speaking with the media said that the Packers had pretty much no interest in bringing him back. Yeah. I'm not shocked. Nor and, am I really. <laughs> I'm not shocked. And
0: look, the guy that wants you around didn't even throw you the ball in two two drives in two different seasons in which you were the only one open. He still wouldn't throw you the ball. I don't need to really say much more than that. That's it. You're That's your, that's your guy. That's your guy that came out of the darkness and went, oh, maybe Lazard was open. Crap. Oh, okay, I want to come back. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe the minute he found out that Lazard could be on the wish list, he thought, you know what? Go for it, man. So we'll see. We'll see if that connection now becomes completely detrimental to the rest of the NFL. From New York to you. Between Aaron Rodgers and Al All right, that'll do it. Uh, everybody have a great uh, the rest of your St-, St. Patrick's Day. Enjoy the weekend. College basketball, weekend long. Sprinkle in a little preseason, uh, pre-season baseball. Uh, some NBA basketball. I didn't even touch on the Bucks losing another 20-plus point lead last night disgraceful but uh but they're still hey it's still still in my opinion the best team in the nba but there you go so we we didn't even touch on it because i just think they're going to win the east and then move on to an nba final and then you know go from there all right until we uh until we talk again on monday time for us to go have a go. Boop.